1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: Obviously didn't, didn't play well. It starts with me. I, I played really bad tonight, so
1: um, disappointing for sure. It's tough, but it's part of the job, right? That's why we sign up to the quarterback. I feel like I'm, just, I'm getting better, you know, experiencing... You know, having stuff in your face, you gotta, you gotta be able to play. You know, that's part of the quarterback position. Yeah,
2: I think we just, we can get better. That's just how we have to look at it. Definitely wasn't good enough, starting with me. Um, yeah, so we just, we gotta watch the film and uh, we lost, so it's not good enough.
1: A couple of the guys who didn't have their week one game go the way that they would expect. Hey, that's what happens. For every winner, there's a loser, and for Every Monday in-season, PFT Live, we give out superlatives. Mike is going to be with us every Monday this season, so he's going to be part of the superlatives. Let's get right into it, Mike Like, Give me anything you want, any award, whatever title, however you want to do it, go.
2: How about the, what the hell are we doing in the NFL award? The, 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 the Darius <laughs> Smith roughing the passer. You knew I would start on the defensive side of the ball. For the Packers, the roughing the passer on Jameis Winston that was called blew my mind. I understand the safety factor of, you know, the, the hitting in the head and the defensive side of the ball and protecting, you know, got to protect the quarterback. I get it. I, I, I understand it. To a point, at times, Mike, they go too far. In the secondary, they go too far. if the, If a hit is hard, they throw a flag, and they decide later what's going on, but no matter what, it's costing you 15 yards, you know, on a hard hit. Roughing the quarterback has gotten ridiculous. You can't hit him low. We saw that in the Miami game on a player who was falling. I thought that was kind of a bad call. But then what Zarius Smith did – He did it exactly the way the league has told defensive players to do it. He didn't lead with his head. He didn't wrap up and land on the quarterback. He hit him with his shoulder and landed off to the side. And he did it within a step of the throw. You could almost make that video the how-to hit the quarterback video, and the friggin' league and the friggin' official threw a flag on it. So I I don't understand it. I will be interested in the review of that, of what the league says about that hit, when the Packers are going, why was that roughing the passer? Somebody explain that to me. I want to hear that explanation.
1: Yeah, and uh, we, it seems like we have that every few years where some of these calls that end up being roughing the passer, yeah, what? it's just he he hit him too hard legally. Like, there's nothing about that that, that he wasn't – remember it was – the, the scooping and driving into the ground a couple of years ago, that was the yes. excuse. All he did was hit him too hard. He hit him legally. He just hit him too hard. But there's there's no foul for hitting a guy too hard when you're hitting him legally. I I I, I Mike, it
2: blew my mind. I mean I I get protecting the quarterback, but there has to be something to where the defense is allowed to hit the quarterback to at least make the quarterback think, you know what? If I stand in the pocket and throw the ball, there's a chance I may get rung up. And he got rung up there in a perfectly legal hit, in my opinion. And if you're taking that away, there's there's a certain amount of of fear is the wrong word. But quarterbacks have to know, receivers have to know, hey, it's a game where you're going to get hit. And if you can't even get hit like that – Again, I need to hear the league explain why that was. And the only thing I can think of is if the referee thought it was a little late, which no way, shape, or form did I think that was late. He took one step as he threw the ball. It seemed like a perfectly good hit.
1: I think he just got hit so hard that we're not used to seeing those kind of hard hits anymore. When we see them, they're always penalties. So, you know, um, but you you make a good point. Tom Brady complained recently that – with these fouls that get called on defensive players, whether it's hitting the defenseless receiver, whether it's hitting the quarterback illegally. So much of that flows from the offensive player taking advantage of the rule. The offensive player failing to protect himself at times deliberately, the quarterback throwing the hospital ball, knowing that, if the receiver gets blown up, you're going to get 15 yards. Or the quarterback not doing the Tom Brady chuck and duck that we see from time to time to avoid contact, holding it a little bit longer, you take the hit, you get a foul. Well, it's on you for holding it too long. That's Brady's argument. So, um, you, you and, and hey, Winston paid the price. He took the hit, but he got the 15 yards. He shouldn't have gotten the 15 yards. I just, and, and Michael, another point on, on this. If they had a booth umpire, they would have had the opportunity to pick that flag up. I'm a big proponent of having an extra member of the crew in the booth, seeing what we see, buzzing down, saying, pick up the flag, drop the flag, whatever it may be. It's not replay review. It's another official who isn't down there among the gladiators trying to see what's going on, sees what we see, bridges that gap between what they see and what we see. Another example of how you could have picked up that flag when you realize he just hit him too hard, didn't hit him illegally.
2: Uh, listen, I couldn't agree more. I do think they should have that extra guy in the booth. And what you talk about in the secondary, I've talked for this years on radio and TV, it's the receiver because they're changing their level. You know, where they catch a ball and then after they catch it, how their level changed. The defender could have been starting to attack you know, between the shoulder pads and the waist. But after the receiver catches the ball and their level changes, now all of a sudden it catches them a little bit of that in the head. And the league says it's on the defender. It is a responsibility of the defender on where they hit. And when it's a bang-bang play, it can be a lot tougher to do. Because I agree. I don't want a guy missling, and I don't want a guy putting his head down. I don't care where we are in football now or where it was 100 years ago. The one thing that was always constant was see what you hit. So I am a firm believer in not putting it down and hitting with the crown of your head. I completely understand that. So if you see that and a guy launches, I agree with the penalty. But it, it just it gets me sometimes when the defender is trying to do it the right way but the receiver changes levels after the catch they end up getting popped in the head a little bit and it costs them 15 yards
1: one guy who did not get flagged for roughing the passer on any of his five sacks Chandler Jones the pay the man please award Mike, this is the one guy who was doing the hold-in thing kind of sort of this year. We saw that throughout the NFL because the fines are now $50,000 per day in training camp. If you're not on your rookie contract, it can't be waived. It has to be paid. So there were guys like T.J. Watt and Dwayne Brown and Xavier Howard and Jamal Adams who showed up and didn't do anything until they got their money. Well, everybody got their money except Chandler Jones. And, and I respect the fact, because I, I said all along, what's the end point here if you don't sign the guy to a new contract? At some point, the team's got to right. say, time to play. And Chandler Jones, to his credit, answered the bell and proved why he's worth the contract that, for whatever reason, the Cardinals don't want to give him. They may feel differently about it now. And you may start to hear more of the teammates speak out the way the T.J. Watts teammates were speaking out before he got his.
2: So you you wonder, Mike? Is is did maybe the Khalil Mack contract a few years ago? Is, is that a reason why teams aren't doing it? Khalil Mack gets a ton of money after getting uh, going to the Chicago Bears from the Raiders and. They haven't done a whole lot. Now the defense has played great at times, but as a team, they haven't done a whole lot. So is a thought process, well, we're gonna pay this defensive player a ton of money, but if it's still not gonna take us anywhere, should we do it? And my answer is, well, you can't keep getting rid of great players. I mean, you bring a guy on your team to do exactly what Chandler Jones is doing. And if he's doing exactly what you want him to do, then you gotta play market, you gotta pay market price to keep him. And that's how I think you become a good team is to have guys like that. And what you have to do, that's just on management to be smarter with the cap both now and in the future. you got to look three, five years down the line on where your cap number is going to be so you can say, yeah, this guy deserves to be one of the high-paid players in the league. And we're going to do that because we've done the money right. We know Kyler Muriel is going to come up at some point, but this is the time where you can do something like that before you have to pay your quarterback big money like Mahomes did. And even when they paid Mahomes, they still had a two-year buffer before that was going to kick in. You could possibly do that with Kyler Murray as well. So you've got to be able to spread that out over a few years with the salary cap and pay the guy what he's worth. That's how you stay a good team.
1: The cap definitely an issue this year, the pandemic driving it down a net of $25 million per team. But look, when you have great players, you have to find a way – to get them paid. I've said time and again, even though Chandler Jones wasn't drafted and developed by the Cardinals, he's been there so long it feels like he was. He was originally with the Patriots. It sends such a powerful message to the rest of the locker room when the players who have come in, checked every box, done everything that's been asked of them, developed, performed, excelled, thrived when they get theirs instead of they have to go somewhere else to get it and we're throwing out all this crazy money to guys who have never done anything for this team. I think it's so important when you have and, and most of your players are going to be young guys that you're hoping you can coax something out of them. Here's a shining example of what happens if you do everything you're supposed to do. Another reason why they should take care of Chandler Jones.
2: I, I completely agree, and hopefully he'll get paid, and hopefully with that team and they all gel uh, together and become the team everybody thinks they can uh, out in the desert. All right, I'm going to give out another one. It's the O Bleep award. And that's to uh, Panay Sewell, Sewell, who was a left tackle for Oregon and then is a top pick in Detroit and is is practicing at right tackle, has to start the season at left tackle against Nick Bosa, who is coming back from injury, but we know how Nick Bosa entered the league and how great he was. So, you know, you wonder if, if deep inside in a private moment, Sewell's going, oh bleep, this is who I'm starting off with back over left tackle. Again, a position he's comfortable with because he played it at Oregon. He actually played pretty well. I mean, Bosa's first tackle I don't think came till close to halftime. Now Bosa did get a sack in the second half, but I thought Sula played pretty. I thought Pene played pretty well in this opener. I loved him in college. Great feet, great hands. Gets to the second level really well. But when all of a sudden you got to go against one of the best def- defensive linemen in the league in your very first game, you know that can be an oh moment. I thought he handled it pretty well.
1: Yeah, and Nick Bosa praised Pene Sewell after the game. One of the realities, he opted out for COVID last year, so it is going to take a little time to get to where he would have been if he had had that full season of football, but exactly what the Lions need as they try to turn it around. And, and I, I, I've i got a little mini one to give out from that same game, uh, the, the worst possible beat award. Scott Van Pelt does the bad beats. This is as bad ah, as it gets. Yeah. When the 49ers are nine-point favorites... And they're up thirty-eight to ten. You're lighting cigars with one hundred dollar bills at that point. If you took the Niners, and the next thing you know, yeah, and, and it's that that sinking feeling. Oh, they scored a touchdown. Well, there's plenty more where that came from. And the next thing you know, and and this is where and this is why, a, apart from the fact that NBC policy pr- prevents us from doing it, I don't bet because you can't. How do you ever know how it's going to go? The the spread was nine. And the 49ers ultimately win by eight, and the Lions cover. I know there's not much they can take from that, but whoever had the Lions plus nine took plenty from it, Mike.
2: Yeah, I don't have anything to say about that because I made a phone call <laughs> before that game and didn't work out well. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, uh, maybe, next maybe one not. for me. I, we already did pay the man. I'm going to go paid the man because this is an example of taking care of a guy that you need to take care of and you do it before he exposes himself to risk in the final year of his rookie contract that's Marshawn Lattimore we found out about the Saints signing him to a massive deal after the win yesterday the deal was done yesterday before the game started and hey he suffered a thumb injury, he had surgery, he's week to week, he could miss some time, his contract year may not have been as good as it needed to be. So this is what you do. You take care of your great players, you pay them market value, you don't force them to go somewhere else to get paid, and you send that message to everyone in the organization. If you do what's expected of you, you will be taken care of here, not somewhere else. So good for the Saints to take care of more.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, and and to take care of players is, is a key point because too many times we see a player get taken care of and then they get hurt, and everybody says, oh, see, that's why you shouldn't have paid them because they can get hurt. Well, hell, it's the most physical game there is or one of them that there is out there, and injuries are going to happen. Whether you sign the day before or whether you sign two years before and have two years left on your deal, it can still have an effect on you. So uh, I, I completely agree with you. You take care of your players when you can, fit it into the cap, just like we talked about before, and you move on. Injuries happen. They're going to happen. All right, my, my next award is the What Did I Get Myself Into Award. And that is going to be Urban Meyer
1: and Trevor Lawrence. Wait, wait, is that what you're asking yourself this morning? Oh my God. They have to be. They
2: have to be. No, I'm asking you.
1: I'm asking you if that's what you're asking yourself. What did I get myself into?
2: Well, I I, I fired my agent over this, so you know, he he said (laughs) I have to do this, and I said I don't so no. (laughs) Obviously, kidding there. Love my agent. Love you, Lou. Um, but yeah, what did I get myself into? I mean, Urban Meyer, some of the things he's done along the way with the hiring of the strength coach that was let go in Iowa you know, at college there with what's going on with him, signing of, of Tim Tebow uh, and how that ended, though Though he actually cut him exactly when he should have cut him. But the signing, I know, raised some eyebrows. And everybody talking about how he looked in the last preseason game, how down or disgusted he looked, and it was a preseason game. And just he's a guy who's not used to losing, and Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback that's not used to losing. And this is what happens when you go to a bad team as a top pick and a bad team as a coach. All of a sudden, you get used to losing. We'll see what happens. It's a team that continues to try and build, and they will. Three touchdowns by Lawrence, over 300 yards, but three interceptions. So you get the turnovers. You get knocked around uh, by a Houston team. So you have to wonder if there's a moment when Urban Meyer's on the sideline just going, Wow, it was a lot easier in college and he was kind of the man in college or one of the guys in college. When you talked about the upper echelon coaches in college, Urban Meyer's name was there. Now in the NFL, he's just another first-year head coach. Doesn't matter a damn thing about what he did in college, and he'll be treated as such in the NFL until you prove yourself. And the only way you prove yourself in pro sports is by winning, and it's going to come too far and few between for Urban Meyer and Jacksonville at this point.
1: And, Mike, it's great that you mentioned that because Sims and I in the aftermath of the Monday night game, Jaguars-Saints three weeks ago, we had some sideline imagery of Urban Meyer, and we said he's kind of got that "What the hell did I get myself into?" Look in the yeah. preseason. <laughs> so I, hey, I, and and it was Houston. It was Houston. It was not that team up north. It was that team down south that should be a college team that they were playing yesterday. That's one of the easiest spots on the calendar. For the Jaguars, so if if you get overmatched and outclassed by a Texans team that was as dysfunctional as any team in the NFL has been in years, that does not bode well and it 's now sixteen straight losses for the Jaguars who began last year one and O somehow lost fifteen in a row uh, we'll see where the bottom is. For the jacksonville jaguars one more for me real quick this is the third time a charm award for the los angeles chargers 14 of 19 on third down yesterday that is uncanny and it speaks to the calm the demeanor and the abilities of justin herbert a coach told me last night this kid is the best young quarterback of all and there's a lot of great young quarterbacks in the nfl Herbert and I don't know. It feels like the the, the Chargers are getting slept on because the Chargers have just kind of been this kind of blah. Yeah, they had the 12 and four season a couple of years ago, but they underachieved in the playoffs. They're just kind of there. They're the the second team in L.A. That vibe. I, I I think the Chargers are going to be pretty good. That was a tough spot to go across the country and play Washington, a playoff team from last year, and pull that game off. Yes, it helped that Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. But it also helped that that offense against a very good defense was able to convert 14 out of 19 third downs, Mike.
2: I completely agree because what was the strength – uh, everybody talked about Washington, who a lot of people were picking them to win the defi- win the division. And I know Fitzpatrick got hurt, but everybody talked about the defense, that the defense, they were kind of building their D-line a la San Francisco when they went to, uh, to the Super Bowl or, or were playing well with a lot of defensive line rotation, a deep D-line in Washington, a, a very tough defense to play against. And the Chargers put up, what, 420-some yards in this game on the road. I, I love what Herbert is doing. I think he's got good weapons as well. I do – listen, when you play in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs, you get forgotten about. You just do because it's – Kansas City and then everybody else who is going to compete can you even get two teams out of the division to make the playoffs so I think that's why they get lost in the conversation because everybody is talking about Kansas City but Herbert getting his chance last year because of a team doctor and a and a shot for Tara Taylor uh, to try and numb him up but he took advantage of it and now they have really something to build on even though they were trying to rebuild their old line a little bit as well I do like this team but they're still playing at least second or third fiddle in that division, certainly uh, further down than that in the AFC.
1: Good old Dr. Needle, as Sims likes to call him, opening the door (laughs) for Justin Herbert. And I asked Keenan Allen after the game yesterday, when did you know, when was that moment that you knew this kid's for real? And he said, Expletive deleted. The first drive against the Chiefs last year in Week Two. That's when I knew. That's how good Justin wow. Herbert has been, and how good he will continue to be. Let's take a break. I talked to various people and did some reporting last night. It's not just watching the games. I got to do some work too. I got to multitask. So we're gonna unload everything, or as much as we can, of what I found out yesterday. When PFT Live continues right after this.
2: Seeing them on the other side, that was a little different for me. Um, but other than that, you know, once. You throw that away and you kind of look at the scheme and, you know, our offense versus their defense, um, you know, you kind of forget about it in the middle of a game and while you're playing. So, um,
1: you know, we just tried to execute uh, to the best of our ability, and that was it. Sam Darnold cast aside by the New York Jets in the offseason, traded to the Panthers, and then the schedule comes out in May and game one. Jets at Panthers. I spoke to Darnold after the game, and I said, what's your reaction? Take me back to May. You see that happen, that the Jets are coming to town. You get your first shot against them. And he said he's had mixed emotions the entire time, all the way up until kickoff. He said once the game started, he didn't think about it, which means before the game started, he was thinking about it. And he said even at the National Anthem, he's standing there looking across, and he sees all the Jets' uniforms. He sees all the guys he knows. And it's just weird. But he said once the game started, that all went away, and uh, off he went. Got off to a good start with the Panthers, a team that could be pretty good. You never know how good that team is you beat in week one. Who knows? You could be like the Jaguars last year, win week one and lose the next 16. But, uh, hey, this was one they had to have. I said last week, if the Panthers are going to have any shot this year, they've got to be able to hold serve at home week one against the Jets, and Darnold was able to pull it off.
2: Well, I mean, when you talk about a feeling of playing your, your former team, I'll say this about any player, Mike. I don't care if it's an amicable split or a bad split. And this was one where he was a top pick, and they said you weren't good enough to be our top pick, and we're moving on. So it wasn't an amicable split. You want to torch your former team. Again, (laughs) even if it's an amicable split, you want to torch your former team. And a lot of times, like Sam did, you're not going to come out and say that, but I guarantee you, that is what's on your mind. So I, without question, he got some satisfaction here. Runs for a touchdown. Certainly helps when you have Christian McCaffrey who had his normal, what, about 180-some yards of total offense, just under 100 and receiving, just under 100 in rushing. It's a great security blanket to have to toss it to him out of the backfield. You know, missed on, on the quick out in the end zone. He missed an open receiver, did Darnold one time. Because there was, there was a lot of talk of, well, it was all the talent around him in New York on why he didn't blossom. I, full disclosure, when, when I was doing shows and he came out, I wasn't buying into Sam Darnold. What I saw out of him at, at, in college, I, with the turnovers, I thought I would see in the NFL. And I wasn't as quick to put it on the fact he had lack of talent in the Jets. So the jury's still out on me, on Sam Darnold, as far as where he's going to be as a uh, NFL quarterback. But that feeling you have to have of playing your former team after them getting rid of you and getting the win... That had to be a sweet taste of victory for him yesterday.
1: And, Mike, I think the jury's still out for Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper, who seems obsessed to get a franchise quarterback. They threw Teddy Bridgewater overboard after one year. I thought that was premature. I think they would throw Darnold overboard after one year if they, they thought they could get that short list, one of the best in the game, and they've been keeping an eye on the Deshaun Watson situation. I don't rule that out as a possibility. Or someone else next year if Darnold isn't deemed to be good enough by the boss. Joe Burrow. Clearly was good enough last year. Then he had the injury in November at Washington. I've been concerned about whether or not he's going to be ready to go physically or mentally. You have your knee down there in the fray, bodies around it. Can you trust yourself to make your your the throws you need to make without worrying justifiably about somebody hitting that knee? He was awesome yesterday in every way, but the moment that fascinated me over time, Fourth and short. There was a fourth down that they went for in their own end earlier that gave the Vikings all the momentum back. But here it is. Overtime, 50 seconds left. He sees the Vikings crowd the line, fill the A-gaps, and see he goes to the helmet. He told me afterward, he changed it to a pass. And when he got the ball, and when he went into his drop, he made three reads. First guy covered, second guy covered, third guy was CJ Uzama, and He said they've been running that play in practice for two years. This past week was the first time he ever threw it to him in practice. And he said, I'm glad I did because I have a feeling if I hadn't, he wouldn't have been ready for it in the game. And uh, it worked out perfectly for the Bengals, set them up for the – Field goal with no time remaining in overtime to get to 1-0. and A game that, I, I, I tell you what, it was one of my best bets for the week. I thought the, I saw Vikings favored by three. I thought the Vikings would outclass the Bengals. Joe Burrow and company proved me wrong. And that moment, that was the moment that, that a tie became a victory for the Bengals.
2: Yeah, listen. I loved what he was trying to do. Whether it was the, the the motion receiver he may have wanted first, or the other side he may have wanted second, but because in all honesty, Minnesota didn't play it horribly once he checked to that play because the first couple options uh, were gone for Burrow, and he went to his third option and to to get the completion. So Minnesota did not play it bad, but it was nice to see Burrow. Well, we saw what Joe was doing last year before he got hurt. He came in awesome. and as, a, as a rookie, was playing extremely well. And then to your point, and listen, this isn't rocket science. I'm not saying anything that's new. When you come back from an injury like that, there's the physical part of the doctor saying, you're fine. You are cleared to play. And then there's the mental hurdle that every player has to get over, decided depending on what that injury was, to when can you just let it go out there? When are you not going to worry about the trash that's around your legs where you're looking down at that more than down the field? You're trying to get away from that more than look down the field. So you have to get past that, and that's not happening until we get to the live games like this. So to see Joe, what he did last year, and then pick up again and start out with a Cincinnati victory, though Minnesota give him credit 10 points at the last 10 points to tie it up and go to overtime, for Cincinnati, that's when every Bengal fan had to be going, yep, ah, yep, yeah, here we go. We had this we game go. won. Now they tie it. We're for sure going to lose it in overtime. And they win it in overtime. What a great mental and moral boost it is for that team to do that. But for Burrow, he came in day one, Mike, last year. And and I think, it, to me it showed, he had command of that offense. So And, and that's really only going to get better. When we talked earlier about rookie quarterbacks and what their personalities are, Joe came in and took control for a guy who just had that one year in college and he blew up and all of a sudden he's the top pick you know in the draft he has handled and carried himself extremely well
1: we mentioned earlier the ryan fitzpatrick injury that's a hip they're doing an mri today to see how bad the damage is there's concern that the ball came out of the socket and of course it's going to cause damage going out coming back in he may miss some time he's expected to miss some time the question is how much i'm told cam newton not on the radar screen yet it'll be taylor heineke and kyle allen but if, if one of those guys goes down, you know, at some point, the trail of breadcrumbs may lead Ron Rivera right back to the guy he was with for nine years in Carolina. The big factor to keep in mind there uh, is that the relationships, not just between Rivera and Newton, Mike, but... The assistant coaches who are in Washington now that used to be in Carolina. That's something to keep an eye on. Well, have more on that on PFTPM. We got to go because when we return, it's our first Sunday statement draft of the year with Mike Golick and Mike Florio. Mike along with Mike. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Sunday Statement Draft for the first Monday of the 2021 season. Mike Golick, Mike Florio here with you. And... Mike, this is your first time. Here's how it goes. Trivia question to determine the first pick in the draft. We initially had the easiest of cupcake questions for you. We have worked to make it just a little more difficult. Your first career sack came against the Bengals. You sacked Ken Anderson. He would exit the game. Boomer Esiason would come in. Who caught the Boomer Esiason touchdown pass to make it a one-point game in the fourth quarter? Who caught that touchdown pass?
2: So I'll, I'll just say this, Mike, because I have no idea. Um, I, so I'll, I'll just say it this way.
1: We can, we
2: can go through the motion of this every Monday and have some fun at my expense of not knowing uh, the answer and just give you the first pick because I am horrific. Mike, I don't remember things about my own career let alone what went on the field with somebody else. So we can have fun with this. We can laugh at me, which I do every day anyway. And then you can always have the first pick because that's what's going to happen.
1: Do you remember Anthony (laughs) Munoz catching the touchdown pass in that game? Does that refresh your recollection?
2: The only thing I remember about Anthony Munoz, who is a good friend of mine to this day, is I could never beat him uh, when I went against him. That's all I remember about him. Play after play, going back to the huddle, saying, "Okay, I'm going to try and do it this play and try and do it this play. And him just silently, because he never said a word on the field, just continued to beat me.
1: All right, well, you can ask me the trivia questions on Mondays then, because I I will gladly sit here blank stare trying to remember, because there is a quality... (laughs) When it's live, your brain just doesn't want to engage. Yeah, You can do trivia all day long without a camera on. When the camera's on, it changes the dynamic. All right, I'll start with, with Kyler Murray, the ultimate statement from yesterday, the five touchdowns he accounted for, four through the air, one on the ground the highlights are just incredible and they speak to what he could be all year long he was on track to at least kind of be in the MVP conversation your team's got to be pretty good too to be an MVP candidate last year they were moving in that direction the high watermark was the game against Buffalo it tailed off after that because he was injured he stays healthy they stay ahead of what defenses are trying to do to them once they really see the film although film doesn't matter if you can't touch the guy they couldn't touch him yesterday you, you can study film all you want, Mike. If you can't get within five yards of the guy and he's going to do his thing, it's going to be hard to beat him.
2: So uh, I, I know I'm going to comment on this and make, make my pick, but I'll just, I'll just put it in. I hope I'm allowed to do the same pick because that's what I'm doing. Because to me, he is my number one pick as well. And just for the things you said, but I'll go back to what I said earlier. Seeing him throw the ball well is obviously key because it was a middle of the pack to lower with their passing game last year. That needed to improve. They were top 10 in rushing. They want to be there again but a lot of that was because of Kyler Murray running the ball. The stat to me in the box score that I'll say and people will go, why do you care? Five rushes, 20 yards. It wasn't his legs that carried this team, which has done in the past. It was his arm. It was his escapability, the ability to what happens when you get out of the pocket. Sometimes it can be a big play, and sometimes it can be a big play against you. That's why you can't live on that. You can't live on him escaping the pocket. You still have to live on the continuity of him throwing from the pocket and doing that well because at the end – That's one of the things you have to be proficient at to be one of the top quarterbacks. Then everything else is icing, and with him, it's a lot of great icing of the way he can escape, the way he can hurt you running the ball or throwing from behind the line of scrimmage. So he's my number one pick, and the stat, again, is five rushes for 20 yards. He was not a big factor in the running game. He was a bigger factor in the passing game, which is exactly what the Cardinals need for more consistency on the offensive side of the board.
1: Since you are the new guy, we will allow you on this one occasion to double up. But it is a draft. So once one is gone, he's gone for good. And I'm not going to complain because I thought you would have taken somebody from the Saints. I'll take somebody from the Saints. Actually, I'll violate the spirit of the draft, and I give Sims a hard time every time he does it. I'm taking the entire Saints organization because Sean Payton said it himself. It was the biggest statement anyone made on Sunday of week one, and it was neutral site, out of the Superdome. We we would have been impressed by 38-3 in the Superdome. To do it in Jacksonville after everything they've been through, as you discussed earlier in the show, what the Saints did to the defending one seed in the NFC, a team that was 13-3 each of the last two years, to splatter them both sides of the ball, push them around, make them look like a JV team. That was impressive, and it's a reminder, just because they've changed from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston, the Saints are fundamentally going to combe, uh, continue to be a very, very good team in the NFC. Oh,
2: I, I think that's a great pick because I, I look at Jameis Winston getting his second chance here. And has he been humbled a little bit in given his former situation and working with Sean Payton to cut down on the turnover. So what a great start, certainly offensively for him and defensively for that team as well. So that's a good pick. My second pick is going to be as we look at Jameis' numbers, which, again, weren't fantastic. His first four touchdowns were on 93-yards passing, and then he got another touchdown on a long play, so it made it look uh, certainly a little bit better with the passing yards. My second pick is going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of people counting them out, and they're playing the Buffalo Bills. Many thought Buffalo was going to be the second team, like last year, uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're, you know, Pittsburgh – uh, in this game, what is Ben Roethlisberger going to do? You heard Mike Tomlin in a soundbite. You lose your, one of your linebackers before the game even starts in warm-ups. And it wasn't really the offensive side of the ball. Under 100 yards rushing, Ben has under 200 yards passing. It was this Pittsburgh defense, which let's be honest, when you say Pittsburgh Steelers through the decades, you think of defense a whole lot because of the number of great players they've had on that side of the ball. And that defense stood up here again to stop a very potent Buffalo Bill offense, which many thought was going to run up a score on Pittsburgh a little bit here. So I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers maybe uh, had a lot of the naysayers put a sock in it just for now to say, you know what, we're not done just yet.
1: I will go, and and you're absolutely right, that was on my list. The Steelers were awesome, and uh, they may not start 11-0 like last year, but they're going to be a contender in the AFC. We need to take them very seriously. We also need to take these Seattle Seahawks very seriously. Russell Wilson, four touchdowns yesterday in a new offense with Shane Waldron, getting things rolling. And last year they got things rolling, but defense has caught up with him. That's going to be the challenge this year. We're going to see the Seahawks do great things, as long as they have Russell Wilson. The question is, can they stay a step ahead of what the defenses see on film, what they do to counter? Can they be unpredictable? I talked to Wilson about that after the game yesterday, and he understands and he agrees that unpredictability is going to be a key component for that offense to be as good as it can be wire to wire. He had that beautiful 69-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett. He throws the best deep ball, Mike, I think, in the NFL. I asked him what he feels like, what goes through his body when he throws that ball. And he said he loves how everything goes quiet and everything is peaceful and it's silent while the ball's in the air. And he just watches for a Tyler Lockett who he said is like a center fielder in baseball to run under it and go get it. It's it's an awesome moment when it happens and he uncorks the ball. There's a touchdown pass he threw earlier to Tyler Lockett. He had one to DK Metcalf as well. Gerald Everett got in on the act for the Seahawks. Four in all for Russell Wilson to go to Indianapolis and start the year against a very good team in a hostile environment. And there's that deep ball down the field to Tyler Lockett for the touchdown to win there. uh, A huge way to start the season for the Seahawks, Mike.
2: And what you said is true. He throws the best deep ball. Watch deep balls get thrown. He puts more air under his than anybody else, and that gives his receiver a chance to catch the ball. He did get sacked three times. He's still getting hit, and he'll get hit too much, but he's used to that. But uh, that's a great pick. My last pick is going to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not many times they're picked high in a – well, they do pick high in the draft. I shouldn't say that, but not for a good reason. Here is a good reason. Not, the, the win was great, but the fact that they had the lead – and did what the Bengals do in the past, gave up the lead all the the way to go to overtime, where, again, every uh, fan and maybe even some players thought, oh, man, here we go again. We're going to blow it after we had a lead on this team, yet it took them the entire period of overtime to dig out that win. So from a, a, a physical standpoint, the win is obviously the most important thing. But to come out from under that, from the moral side of this is a game we normally blow it and we've blown it in the past. We almost blew it here in regulation to go overtime, and then we were able to pull it out. Big kudos to a team that's been trying for a whole lot of years to get themselves going.
1: Yeah, if Joe Burrow's healthy and able to go, that team can be very, very good. One quick honorable mention on the way out the door because we've got to take a break. Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos awesome yesterday against the Giants I had to mention him because I don't want my email box to fill up with all the people saying why didn't you mention what Teddy Bridgewater did for the Broncos he was great and uh, they may have found somebody who can help that team turn around what has been a recent run of not very good football let's take a break a quick Ravens Raiders preview when PFT Live concludes right after this All right, tonight it's the Ravens at the Raiders. First pro game with fans at Allegiant Stadium. Look at what the Ravens have done week one each of the last five years. Far more impressive than that 20-game preseason winning streak. Mike, injuries galore for the running backs for the Ravens, but they still have Lamar Jackson. I'm going to be curious to see will they open up the passing game tonight. With all the injured running backs, they may have to.
2: Uh, again, less running by Lamar Jackson, only run when you have to, more passing, open up, especially he loves those tight ends.
1: Yeah, Mark Andrews got paid last week. It's a chance for him to earn it. And the Raiders, hey, every other team in their division's one and 0 They better do something or they're going to be all alone in fourth place to start it off. We've started it off. Mike Golick, Mike Florio, we're going to do it every Monday all season long. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you tomorrow morning.